0: You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Today would be a good day um, to kind of talk about looking back and then looking forward. Um, There's so many of you guys that weren't with us when we started, and we've got like a a really new crew of people in here. And so it's always great to go back and revisit kind of who we are, why we exist, where we came from, all those kind of things. Would you guys agree to that? And so this is just like a big family meeting this morning. We, we want to share with you, and we want to look back on why all the things came about and how we ended up starting this church. So, you know, I guess the first question would be to say, why, why did we start? Why did we plant Resurgent ATL? And, uh, you know, the, the biggest thing for Terry and I is we always had a heart to see a community, a, a family here on the north side of Atlanta, we had been at Bethel, Atlanta for 10 years, and we had been the, the family life pastors there. We, we, did, we did other things as well, but uh, towards the last five years of us being there, we were family life pastors. And one of the things that we had seen while we were there were there were so many people hungry for kingdom, for the supernatural. And people were driving from everywhere all over Atlanta, on the other side of Atlanta, to come all the way south, uh, to come and find kingdom family, and uh it God just kind of put it in our heart that man, we really want to see a a a branch or a church or another another campus where we could really pour into that and meet those needs because you know how many of you guys know you know this is it's it's more true today than it was probably fifteen years ago, but the traffic today is unbelievable like if you're gonna go anywhere past Atlanta out from the surrounding area going south or north you could be locked up on the highway for two hours yeah and you just don't even know when it's gonna happen and uh, so there were people that were driving down to us and and they were missing church on Wednesday nights we would have uh, we would have Bethel life on Wednesday nights where you came in and you went to classes and there were people who were calling me and saying, we can't make it I'm stuck in traffic and it was constant, and uh, it just, it started making more sense to me to say, hey, let's, let's create a campus on the north side of Atlanta. And we had been, you know, we had been at Bethel Atlanta for many, many years, and this hadn't, this didn't happen overnight. Like, this, this was kind of burning on our hearts for years. And so we began to present that idea to the leadership and say, hey, why don't we really, if, if we want to make this available to everybody, let's think about planning a church on the north side, another campus. And so we started entertaining that thought, and uh, it really came about that they just weren't, they, they weren't in a place where they were really wanting to do that. Uh, they didn't feel like they were ready to be, in a, be church planners. And so we respected that and we honored that, but we still had a burning inside of us to see something happen like that on the north side of Atlanta. And it didn't happen overnight. That burning desire kept it kept with us and kept burning, and we really didn't know what to do with it.
1: Yeah, probably for a year or two, we had those conversations, for sure a strong year, and even started a life group on the north side, like just to see what it would look like and just some different things. And, um, you know, just as we... Um, kind of got a little further down the road, we were just driving to church one morning and Chris just out of the blue says, I feel like God is telling me that we're not gonna be here much longer. And I was like, well, that was just so random. I mean, we were both over departments. I mean, we live there, you know, all this stuff. I was like, okay, well, whatever, we'll see. You know, that was my attitude, we'll see, whatever. And um, so I was okay. Well, that day was actually um, the day that Sean Bowles had come and spoke at Bethel Atlanta. And he called out our wedding anniversary, Um, and of course, you know, Chris stood up, and I'm going to go ahead and read that word, because we feel like it's very much um, instrumental in what got us dreaming into starting Resurgent ATL. So I'm going to take a minute to go ahead and read this word, but he calls out June 23rd, which was our anniversary, he stood up and Um, He said some other things, but he just said, hey, um, God is pointing out the family here. There's something special where this is your home and your family, but God is giving you your next marching orders. I didn't know I was going to get emotional. (laughs) He said your next, I know, I just questioned God, right? And then he's like, ha, you're going to get your next marching orders, your next direction your next connection to what he's doing here. I think it's really exciting. I think it's not just reinvigorating, but resetting of your purpose in this body and his fellowship and you'll feel an awkwardness lift off of you. Where it is, how do I relate? What do I do? How do I connect? What am I supposed to be doing? So if you felt any awkwardness over your relationship to the church just because of all these changing seasons, a lot of times we go through changes and we don't know how to define them. You guys are going through changes and you're going to go through more changes, but God can define us in the midst of the changes. He can define greater space for us to live in and walk in with full authority and that's what he's going to do with you. I'm getting this weird, these weird words because he's about to do something that only he can do because this family is about to move forward like what would normally take seven or eight years is going to happen in about a year and a half. And so we really took that to heart. We really didn't even know what it meant because we had had a dream in our heart Is we'd been in ministry. I guess we've been in ministry almost like 30 years now. So at that time, so you know, five years ago, 25 years, we dreamed into what we were really, we what we were chasing, but never really had considered starting our own church. We always wanted to be a part of another leadership, like instrumental in supporting a a senior leadership, is what we really felt like we were called to do, and so we never really considered starting a church, so this didn't instantly go, oh, you're supposed to start a church. We were just starting to ask God and have this conversation, what do you mean by all of these changes?
0: Okay. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, there was a thing Sean was talking about that there was just this uh, uh, unrest, and we weren't really... F- fully feeling um, uh, fulfilled and all those things where we presently were. And we didn't really understand why, because we had everything we needed. We had everything we wanted. We were surrounded by great leaders. We, security. we had security. <laughs> you know, how many of you know when you step out by yourself, it's really lonely sometimes and it's super scary. And so I didn't want to have to do that. And so I was really happy just being surrounded by a team of people in. I didn't have to have the final say. You know, it was somebody else had that, which that's, sometimes that's great. You know, it's like, oh, it's not all me. But but there was an unrest inside of us, and we didn't really know what that was. Well, right after Sean gave us that word, uh, We went on a sabbatical for almost 90 days. We were given a sabbatical, and they were like, Man, you guys have been going at this hard for 10 years. Y'all need a rest. You need a sabbatical. We're like, Yes, thank you, Jesus. And so we go off on this sabbatical. We had all these trips planned. I think we traveled more that summer than we've ever traveled at any time. Little mini trips, mini trips, but, but we nothing had a, fancy. Yeah, we didn't go to Europe or anything <laughs> like that. But it was just like we free trips. We just hadn't been anywhere in a long time, and so we just we just kind of really dove into that. And during that time, God started speaking to me really clearly, and He just started saying, "Hey, this thing that the word that you got this these new marching orders, I want to see that dream fulfilled in your heart to start a new family on the north side of Atlanta." And so I'm telling you right now, I'm saying yes to you stepping out and starting a church. And really, I didn't. I wasn't happy. I was scared to death when I heard him say that. And literally, I sat there and argued with God probably for weeks. I can't do this. God, this is, I'm not that guy. I'm not a senior leader. I can't handle all the pressure. I can't handle all the decisions. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy.
1: I was going to say more specifically, yeah. you made a list of all I, the reasons you yeah, couldn't I,
0: do it. <laughs> I, I, I was like, God, I'm going to prove to you that I can't do this. Here's my list. And I did. I wrote out a list. I said, there, here. Here's the reasons why I can't do it. And uh, I mean, literally, it was that, that, I mean, I could not believe, but God was like, okay, this is, this might be all true, this might be right, but here's what, you do well, really well, and nobody else, I can get them to do what you do. And I said, so what's that? And he goes, you make people feel seen, heard, and known. And you love them really, really well. And he said, that's all I need you to do. He said, that's all I need you to do. I'll send the other people around you and Terry, and I'll send the leaders to you, but this is what you do really well, and all I need you to do is say yes. And I still rolled, struggled with that for weeks, and then I finally just gave in, and then I, I just said, okay, God, I'll do it. I'll do it. And um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's kind of crazy, because we, we, and I'll just say this, to, to uh, we, we came back off that sabbatical, and uh, our senior leader said, well, tell me, tell me all the cool stuff God's been telling you. And I said, I, I don't think you're ready for it. And uh He's like, yeah, man, I want to hear it. And so, like, it was a couple weeks later that we got together, and I sat down, and literally, I started talking, and silence, dead silence. And I, this is the fact, fi- I got to say this, because it was just so funny, because it's so true now, I got to remember this. He's like, that's the last time we send anybody out on a sabbatical. <laughs> And he was serious. It, it was like, you know, but, but it was funny because it's like, that's not what he was expecting to hear from me. But, you know, to their, cre- to their credit, they, they, they acknowledged, they, they valued us. They acknowledged the call that God had put on our life. And uh, uh, very reluctantly, they, they, they let us pursue what we were going to pursue and just blessed us. Yeah,
1: Go ahead. yeah they did. They, they said, you know, we, we're just not in a position to be church planners right now. But if this is on your heart, we love you guys. We'll bless it. And so, it was, so when Scott was talking earlier, you know, whenever um, you take a risk and you step out, it's the scariest thing. Well, really, you know, when Chris first said, "I, I believe we're supposed to start a church, I literally was like, okay. Like, I can't even believe, like, I just... Had a knowing, like I felt like I knew. There wasn't really any fear. I think later it's like jumping off a cliff, you know, you jump and then you're like, oh my gosh, what have I done (laughs) after? So I think it was a little bit more after that. But I was just going to say, what was that? I was leading to something. But um, so, yes, what I was going to say, so it didn't look like what we thought it was going to look like because we were really like more leaning towards starting another campus off of another church because of what responsibility you know it was like oh I don't want to be totally responsible I don't want I just want to pastor something else that someone else does um, and so that just felt like security to me but it also felt like not total, fully trusting God because I didn't have to fully trust or commit if someone else had the full responsibility um, but I also didn't wouldn't have which he showed us later, we wouldn't necessarily have the free reign or freedom to follow God's word to us um, if we didn't have the responsibility of it. I don't know if that kind of makes sense, but it kind of made sense to us. And I was even talking to God about it one day because I was like, gosh, you know, I was driving to work and just thinking about it. It was probably a year in, maybe two years in. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, I cannot believe that that we're living, we feel like we're living in the fulfillment of a dream. But it wasn't, when I look back over the 30 years of this pursuit, of this life dream, it really isn't what I thought it was. It didn't even look like. I'm like, how can I feel so fulfilled? And it's, and we're, And feel like I'm living in the fulfillment of a dream, and it doesn't look like what I thought it was going to look like. And he was so clearly, I can tell you what red light I was going under. He said, it's because I have rescued you. It was just so real. I've rescued you from your version of the dream. And he said, and now I'm redeeming the dream. And so that has been something. That has been something that we've been able to hold on to. So when I do feel the falling of, oh, my God, I'm falling off the cliff, what have we done? We can hold on. We always can hold on to the word that we know that God had given us.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's good. Um, we, and let me just clarify this, too, because a lot of people were like, well, if, if you left Bethel, Atlanta— then are you guys a plant from Bethel? No, we're not a plant. We were not strategically sent out as a plant under Bethel Atlanta. We were blessed to go and pursue what we wanted to pursue and that's what we did. And so today we are a part of the BLN which is the Bethel Leaders Network from Bethel Redding. That's that's who we are connected to. So we are not a plant off of Bethel. I just wanna clarify that. So kind of our covering if, if you wanna say that. Uh, is Bethel reading uh, we follow Bill and Benny Johnson and a lot of what they do and of course they 're in a different state than we are and they 're experiencing a lot of different things than we are but for the most part we uh, we go we are connected to uh, to that church and to that body and then we have a board of uh, uh, an apostolic advisory board uh, with uh, Scott was originally put on that board now he 's on, on our team, yeah. so staff. But uh, then it's Leif Hetland and Randall Worley and Steve Backlin were on that were on that board, and so, Tom Rohn. and Tom and Tom Rohn, And so, just wanted to let you know that's kind of where we are. That's as far as covering. Uh, that's 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 what our covering is. And then you might want to know why the name Resurgent ATL. Yeah.
1: So why did we name the church Resurgent ATL? So in praying, because we didn't feel like, you know, before we were told to start a church, we just had this, oh, this is going to be your name, you know. So we were just, we did a lot of driving around because we really didn't know. Like I said, we live, you know, 40 minutes south from here. So we were like, where, Lord? You know, where are we supposed to be? Um, And so, you know, we just began to drive around a lot and just feel like, you know, God, are you calling us in this area or over here? We just knew north, but we didn't know what north means because there's, Atlanta's big, right? And so through all this, you know, we are just praying into it, and we began to just look a little bit. We didn't do a whole lot of research, but just researching into the history of Atlanta. And um, resurgence is the motto of Atlanta. And um, it's translated not only as to rise again as up from the ashes of war, but it also means to rise from the dead and resurgent means undergoing or tending to bring about renewal or revival. And so we felt like if we named the church, or we really believe God was, was telling us to name the church resurgent ATL, because we felt like every time we said resurgent Atlanta or resurgent ATL, that we were... Um, prophesying and we were making a declaration over Atlanta. You know, not only just telling Atlanta um, to, you know, come alive for the the economy to come alive or business to come alive or entertainment industry to come alive or government or education, you know, ideas to come alive, improved highways yes, Lord, come alive, right? But that we were also prophesying and de- declaring renewal and revival over our city. So we feel like our name is actually just a prophecy or a declaration every time we say, say it. So even when you don't even know, where do you go to church? resurgent ATL, you're commanding Atlanta to be revived, to rise up, to be renewed. And so even you don't even know it. You're prophesying. You're making a declaration every time you say the name. So that's the name. <laughs> I guess you want me to talk about this a little bit. So back in that, spending a couple of weeks at this little lake cabin where God like clearly gives us this word. And Chris is making this list of why we shouldn't, why we can't start a church. You know, my question was like, okay, well, why would we? You know, why? I mean, are we just going to have another place where we have you know a few hundred people congregate together that happens everywhere like why would we do this we need to have some why behind it and that's where Chris you know had that word from God that said well what do you do well because if you can just do what I've called you to do I'll surround you with the other people who have the strengths that you don't have and his was that he makes people seen heard and known so we sat on that for a little bit. We had some conversations around why we would do this, and we came up. We felt like God gave us our mission is that we felt like we wanted to be a, a place where people feel valued and known loved extravagantly, and empowered to pursue their dreams and destiny. So we kind of wrote that as like our mission statement of what, what that's our why. You know, what, what are we doing th- this for? And in that, while pursuing that mission, what's the greater vision? Like what are we going after? And, of course, you know, heaven on earth would be the ultimate. But we just felt like we kind of wrote this as our vision that we believe church is a family who creates community that transforms culture. And so we felt like that would be our overall vision on pursuing this mission of having everyone feel valued and known because even before, and I don't mean um, our time at Bethel Atlanta, but our years before in ministry, we were always part of pastor-driven churches where um, the people weren't empowered to do the stuff and as we kind of learn kind of came into this new culture of Bethel and finding this dream we started having this understanding of being empowered and so that was one thing we wanted to see we wanted to see people empowered not just to go out and do the stuff of healing the sick raising the dead Blah blah blah, but also to be able to pursue their own dreams and destiny. It's not about our dream, our destiny, but it's about helping all of you pursue your dreams and destinies. All right, is that good? Okay, what are we doing next? (laughs) We really did talk about this a little bit. I think we want to probably move it. So, that's a little bit about our history, our why and kind of what God has here so I think we should talk about present where are we right now
0: yeah, yeah well so <laughs> where where are we right now we're right here in this building <laughs> all of us together but kind of presently where we are is you know we've kind of been focusing on building family building the presence of God building a place of extravagant worship to the king and um, you know we we are really what's in our hearts is to build a multi-generational church where we're not just going after one particular generation we're going after all the generations because we understand the value between uh, behind having all the generations connected they have to be connected you can't do something with, if you're missing any of the generations then you're missing a vital part what's going to make it successful. And uh, it's just like in your family unit, your kids have to have parents. Well, the parents, you you have parents, you have grandparents, and then you have the younger children and grandkids. So all these multi-generations, all these generations create this multi-diversity where moms and dads and grandparents are pouring into the younger generation. And I, I don't know if you guys, you know, it's like, I think one thing the church has not done super well, the church in general, is we have not had a high value for the older generations. We just go, oh, well, that's the senior group or that's the older group. Let them go do their thing. But they're not really interacting with the younger generations. And the younger generations, they need that influence. They need that wisdom. They need that impartation. Because if we can help them not make some of the same mistakes that we've made, they're going to learn and they're going to grow and they're going to be advanced to the front so much faster. I love what Bill said years and years ago, and he still says it, but you probably don't hear it as. Often he said, I want my ceiling to become their floor. And that's exactly what Terry and I see ourselves as. We want to be like grandparents in this movement where all we're doing is giving away free candy and we're encouraging everybody. And we're saying, you can donuts. do it. And donuts and coffee. And we just, we want to be there to say, Hey, we don't. It doesn't. All, we don't have to be at the front and center of everything. We want. We have dreams and aspirations for the younger generation, for our kids, and for our grandkids, and for your children, and for you know. So that's kind of how we want to see this thing grow: is a multi generational, uh, everybody connected and everybody running, and uh, because I think that's the healthy way God had he he established it. I mean, even when you look in the Old Testament, you look at the generational uh, family lineage and the legacy that took place and how the old would pass along uh, the the inheritance. They would pass along the blessing uh, so many times. And so that's so vitally important. It's, it's, it really is important. So presently, that's kind of where we're at. Uh, you know, I, I know that our strength here at this church, well, definitely, I feel like, is family. Uh, We're growing in that. I I don't think we're perfect in it by any means. But another area that I feel like we're really becoming stronger and stronger in is worship. Uh, Our worship has always been something for us that needed to be priority in this church. Because we knew we needed to create an environment for God to move in. And uh, we're so blessed to have Cody and Julie with us. And uh, they've been here from day one. And they have poured in to this body and they 've given their lives to this thing they 're building such a great team of, of worshipers and people going after the presence of God, and then we knew also we knew that there were pieces that were going to be coming. God has sent in uh, other leaders from other areas we added uh, Jaden and Raul uh, we knew that uh, we knew that there was just Scott and Lacey were beyond just leaders they were family, and we knew we didn 't want to do anything and build anything without it being surrounded by family. And so asking them to come from California to come here to Georgia was not a hard thing for us. And it was really easy because our hearts were already connected to them. And we knew once they got here, it would start adding another piece to who we, who we are and who we were becoming. And and, and Lacey and Scott both and Lacey primarily has been heading up the school and the school has always been a part of our dream because we wanted to see a school that created a place for people to be discipled, uh, to go deeper uh, with Jesus and, the, and their love for Christ and how to be activated in this world around them and to understand that we're, we've been put here to bring heaven to earth. And so we want to create an environment for that, and the school is starting to take this is our second year, and we we've started they're doing a great job, and we're building and so we're we're in a growth pattern right now, but it's uh it's it's really healthy and we i feel like we are just now really starting uh, starting to establish who we are, and we're going to continue to grow and expand on that but go ahead. yeah
1: definitely we've had a season of um just building that foundation. You know, we felt like starting out on Saturday nights was that time of just spending time in the family room. It felt more like, you know, how you do, how you hang out in your family room and you're establishing a family. And then, as he said, we, we've started kind of now developing, you know, children and youth and all of those Things, but I wanted to say one other thing about our team. Is I think one thing that um, I feel like you've done really well. And I think it's just the leading of the Lord saying, okay, yeah, this is what you're good at. Don't worry about all these other things. I'll send those. But if you look at our team across the board. Every one of us are so different, and I mean vastly different, not just in our personalities but in our skill set and our strengths uh, and weaknesses. And um, I think that's kind of a testament to you or us just in that when you tend to lead something, and I work in in the school system a lot, it's so easy for principals to just hire all people like them because it's just easier. You get along with everybody really, really well, but you don't have a lot of strengths. You don't have any challenges. You don't have any friction that causes you to be greater, to causes you to rise up and, you know, just be greater. And so I think that's one thing that we really do. And I, when I look at our team, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is the promise. This is the promise of God. He's given us all of these things that we're just not good at. And they're all around us. And it takes the weight off as well because we don't have to be good at everything that we would, you know, think that we would need uh, among our leadership. So that's kind of just like, about our uh, leadership team.
0: Yeah, and, right. and, and back in May, we had, a, uh, we had our first apostolic board meeting, uh, print, you know, together, and we, we, we covered a lot of stuff, but one of the things that we talked about, and Scott's mentioned it before, is one of the things we want to do here is create an irresistible culture. And you go, oh, man, that sounds really cool. Well, what is an ir- irresistible culture? Yeah,
1: yeah we, we were just like, yeah, what would it look like to create an irresistible culture? You know, what is that? What is an irresistible culture? And, you know, we just kind of started kind of making this list of what that looked like. And really, um, the big picture is that everyone's walking in their true identity, right? I mean, that's irresistible. If we're all walking with the whole entire city of Atlanta walking in their true identity, That's an irresistible culture right there. And what that looks like is that all generations are operating in the gifts. The children are operating in the gifts, right? All generations are operating in the gifts. You know, they're out there healing the sick, raising the dead. Um, Everyone is experiencing presence. That's an irresistible culture. Um, We're offended less. I mean, these are little things, but irresistible culture, no offense, really? What would that look like? You know, even in a culture of honor, you find offense all the time. You don't want it. You pretend it's not there sometimes. You're confronted with it a lot because you are trying to be aware because we want to be unoffendable. Um, walking in forgiveness. You know, um, we have this conversation all the time that if we are an irresistible culture or what we want to call it a culture of honor, if we are what we are aspiring to be, then we, there would be no one in here with a victim mentality. Because what happens when you come in this environment and you start acting like a victim, when I make a victim statement, I've got all these people around me going, "Ah, oh, really? Is that who you are? I, that doesn't sound like you. I mean, there's always someone around me reminding me who I am, right? Calling out the gold. And we've even said it. If you either come here and you rise up, right? Or some people kind of don't make it because they enjoy holding on to offense or whatever might go find people that allow them to stay offended. So that would be an irresistible culture where everyone's walking in their true identity, not a victim mentality. Um, And then also a a piece of that would be continuing in a lifestyle that's unpleasing to God. Because when we're around all these incredible people, it makes us want to be greater, right? It's like, ah, makes us... More aware, probably. And, um, you know, like I said, there's always people calling out the gold in us. So um, I think that would be an irresistible culture. There's probably a million things that we could add to irresistible culture, but those are some practical things. You want to add to that? Um,
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, let's talk about that.
1: You want to do that? Sure. Sure you wrote it down. He goes, you wrote it down. (laughs) i was trying not to be the one that talked too much. Who saw the new signs this morning? Did y'all see any signs? Yeah. Those look amazing. Julie did those. I have to say that the company messed them up, but they still look great. They didn't do exactly, but they look amazing. And so I think we're going to be able to get some new things added too, as well, since they didn't exactly uh, come back. But I think they look great. They look amazing. Um, It's all fancy. That's one thing having millennials on your team. You need that. They have the little thing. What do you call it that you scan so you can go right to the website? What is that called? Bar, bar code. Yeah, you know the little whatever. That's so cool. I would never have thought of that if I put, you know, if I'd made a sign, I would have never thought of that. There's a name. Thank you. QR code. Yeah, I, I knew it. It's just the barcode. It's like a little gun. <laughs> he loves it. He uh, self-checkout at the grocery store.
0: <laughs> I, I, I put my I put my camera I put my camera up to it, it and I was like. How do it know? How do it know? How do it know? How do it know? That's an old
1: joke. the stupid joke. Okay. So anyway, well, those look lovely, but we wanted, I just kind of wanted to mention one thing. So we were talking about, we say this a lot around here, building family around presence. And then we thought, let's take this a a step further. When people come in this door, because we're building family. We're doing that well. We're really um, learning uh, to enter his presence more and what it is to be a family. So let's take this a step further. And so we came up with Restore, Transform, and Equip. So you probably saw that. So we wanted to kind of talk a little bit around that. Um, Because, you know, we as a team, we just like, you know, Restore goes along with our mission. Right? Because if you come into an environment where you're feeling valued and known, love extravagantly, and empowered to pursue your dreams and destinies, that's restoration. Right? Because what do, what do most people not want to go to church for all the opposite of those reasons. They felt devalued or offended or didn't get their dream fulfilled, their promises. Right? So that's being restored. And then transform. Well, that just goes along with our vision that we believe church is a family first who um, builds community that transforms culture. And so that's a big part of it. We want to transform culture. We're not going to do that. I mean, and this goes back along with our why. If we're going to start a church, we don't think that we're called to be some mega church with 10,000 people because some people think, oh, the only way to impact a city of 8 million people or 12 million people, whatever it is, um, I think there's I think it's 7.9 million people within a 30-mile radius. I believe that's the right number. And so you think, oh, the only way we're going to make a real impact is to be a mega church. Well, I feel like the only thing we could accomplish there is that we collect more bodies in our room, right? So we're thinking, you know, and if we're going to do this, we're going to transform culture. It's going to be us being restored, right, and then us creating that um, irresistible, Um, culture, right, where we're walking in our identity, and then that has to trickle out in every environment that we're in, and that's what transforms culture. Yeah, there's a lot of things that we want to do outside the walls, and we're going, we're getting to that, and that's in our future vision of what we believe that we're called to. But that's that piece of transform, and that's also where the school comes in, and that's why we're calling it School of Transformation, because it's just an opportunity for people to be intentional to say, "Okay, I'm going to set aside a chunk of time to be as transformed as I can be." And when you're intentional, huh, it's harder, but it happens, right? So um, yeah,
0: and the go- you know the gospel is about being transformed. It's transformational. Uh, transform. I can't say it. Transformational. Uh, yeah. transforming. It's, you know, if, when you, if you remember when you first got saved, I, I don't know about you, but my life did a 360. And, I mean, I literally was transformed. And um, it took a long time for me to kind of become deadened to that. Like, I, I kind of got, oh this has just kind of become my norm now. And it's become, i am just gotten used to certain things or used to the culture in the area that I'm at or co- the culture of just church or religion. And after a while, I've, I began to understand that um, what had happened in my life being transformed, there, there, there's a responsibility on my end to stay in that place. And we all have to stay in that place of understanding how to lean in to the transformational power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? I mean, it's your responsibility. And if you're, Listen, our lives when we walk out of this church should be screaming to people around us who are not saved that there is a God when they encounter us. I mean, I'm, I'm being serious. And, and listen, I'm not there yet. I mean, there's times that I, I'm like everybody else. I get out of bed the same way. I put my clothes on the same way. And there's days I have to choose to lean into that truth so that I'm I'm gushing over or people are experiencing God through me. And that's what the gospel is about. And I think we've all been just uh, relegated and subjected to religion, to world culture. And it... it it's the whole verse around you don't put a a light under a a a bush you don't put uh, your light under you don't put a covering over your light and and we do that and we don't even realize we're doing that and that's why we don't see people uh craving Jesus like we used to see i mean really i mean i remember just when I, the first four or five years walking in, in in relationship with God, people were always asking me, "Why are you so happy? Why? 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 I mean, everything's going to hell in a handbasket around you, but you are happy. Why? How can you be so happy? What well, was a great opportunity to share my faith? And so, transfer. We've got to get to a place as a church where we live in a place where we allow the transformed uh, encounter that we've had with Christ to shine all around us. So restore transform and equip. And that equipping piece means us stepping into our proper proper identity as sons and daughters. We're not just sinners saved by grace even though we are. That's not where we stay. Where we stay, where we reside is as God's kids as his children, as beloved sons and daughters, those that have an inheritance, who have a promise. If you're not living from that place, then you're not living from your proper identity. Okay, I got really quiet in here. But it's the truth. We've got to live from that truth and from that place and from that uh, identity. Yeah, Go friend.
1: ahead. Okay, yeah, we have a scripture to go with that. And I think, you know, we don't want to be... Accused of leaving church without reading scripture, so we're gonna add that. Just, just messing with y'all. Yes, it's official. So, yeah, part of that equip, of course, is Ephesians 4 12 through uh, 16. So, I'm just gonna read this, but you know, it says, He gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, preachers, and teachers, or pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So that's our equip.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so that's good. I mean, what do we do is, you know, what is our responsibility as mature Christians? To reflect him, to walk in his power, and to mirror who he is in our lives. And so, go ahead. Well, I was going to
1: add to that just because it brings up unity, and it kind of sparked a, a reminder to me. But, of course, one of the attacks we've been under as a society is the lack of unity. And we really felt like when I was kind of getting off on that saying, you know, we didn't feel like we were called to make some mega church or whatever, So we asked God, well, what is that? And we really felt like God was saying the word unity just kind of kept coming to us. And what does that look like to unify a city? And one of the statements that I think I took from Bill Johnson years ago is he just made the statement that he wasn't interested in starting a denomination, right? That he felt like the core value of bringing heaven to earth needed to be in every denomination, every religion, and every church. It wasn't about one denomination. And I really hung on to that through the years. And um, so whenever I kept hearing this unity from God, I felt like, well, that's what it is. What would it look like to unify all the religions, all the denominations, just a city, to impact our city for one call to bring heaven to earth? So it has something to do around that unity. And unity is brought up in that verse. What have we been in, under attack by, uh, through society right now is a lack of unity, really the opposite. So I really feel like it's coming. You know, because anytime there's an attack, you're like, mm, "There's going to be breakthrough," and it, I believe it's going to be something with unity. I don't know if that what that looks like. I know years ago, Chris was over. Um, what do you call it? it was what, you, what Bethel leaders used to be? It was oh, um, global, legacy. global legacy over the southeast, and really, all that looked like was organizing kind of meetings for all the local pastors to come to and be ministered to. Right, and that and that kind of reminded me of that. It was like, I wonder, you know, that's a one way, right, to unify pastors of all denominations. So I feel like there's still, as if we're looking to future, that would be some ways that we could impact beyond the walls of our of our four, you know, walls of the church. But anyway, that was a side note, kind of. No, that's Sorry. okay. So
0: <laughs> we, we, get, we don't have a lot of okay, time left, but let's. Uh, so what's the future look for us as a church body and as a church family? Big thing is for us right now is we understand that uh, in order when you when you have a family and you decide. You know, you, you find that special person that you want to get married to, there's a dating process, you get engaged, then you get married, and then there's a honeymoon period, and then you start seriously sitting down and talking about, okay, how are we going to grow our family? What, what Intentionally, what are we going to do to grow our family? Uh, how are we going to prepare for this? And so, I, I really feel like that's where we are right now in this season, is we have to intentionally begin to prepare to grow this family, And what does that look like? What does that mean? Go ahead. Yeah, well, i just
1: wrote down everybody in the family brings something to the table, right? I mean, we want to prepare a table, and that's kind of why we called Heart and Harvest. It's just a time of just coming to the table that everyone has a seat at the table. But, um, you know, that's that preparation where each of you bring your own strengths and help to make growth possible and some of that well I can talk about that but you know like just greeters and in prayer servants and set up and tear down and children's ministry and revive groups and you know just creating community that's going to change and influence culture and so we're going to talk about obstacles of that and I forgot what those were
0: yeah. Well, the, the <laughs> our biggest obstacle cool that we have right now is a building. Like I know you guys like this we love this building. This has been I mean we got a great view. Well,
1: I don't know if our team loves that. Well,
0: but anyway, we we've been and setting I'll tell up you why. we've been setting up and tearing down, but we you know, we're at a pla- we're at a place right now that I, I feel you know, the old church statistic and Scott and I dealt with this for years and Scott and I were the ones that actually pushed it and we were actually the ones that got it going and moving was uh, the whole piece around to grow, you have to make room. And when you hit 80, it's a proven fact, when you hit 80% capacity in your church, if you don't make room, people will quit coming. It's just the goofiest thing I've ever seen. But people don't, sometimes people don't want, they just don't want to sit on top of each other. They don't want to fight for a chair. They want to be able to come in when they want to come in. And so you actually start seeing the growth gets kind of stunted a little bit because you're not making room for growth. And as soon as we pushed and we said, okay, we're gonna to go, to to go to a second service, we doubled. Like within six months, we doubled. Because why? We made room. It's scriptural. You know, it's, it, it, when you go to, it's time to enlarge the tent, to, to extend the tent pegs. And so for us as a church family, we've got to think beyond this room. We've got to think beyond this building. This has been a great setup for us for two years, but we're at a place where we're going to have to start making some decisions on how to grow past where we are right now because there's obstacles of being in this building.
1: Yeah, some of those obstacles are, um, just for instance, we have this building on Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Okay, so if we want to come up here for Heart and Harvest or a men's meeting or whatever, it's an astronomical tag-on for the cost because this is a business that makes a lot of money during the week. So um, that's an obstacle. You know, if we want to have Heart and Harvest, I'm just using women's meeting. I mean, I don't even have to tell the numbers, but I mean, it's not an easy fix if it were our building. Another obstacle is like he said, to set up. And I mean, this would be a great time to just highlight Tristan, our other son, who comes up here on Saturdays, spends hours. Yes, Woohoo.
0: Mm-hmm. And Scott Lappin. And Scott, Scott Lappin. yeah,
1: Scott Lappin as well hallelujah they come up yeah give it up hallelujah woo, woo, woo. it's those it's those other those people who ride under the radar who do it all yeah. you know and they're up here you know Tristan drives a distance I think Scott does too but you know that traffic's not fun especially on a Saturday and set up and um, make it great and then it's such an underappreciated job because This room has its challenges, and it doesn't matter how amazing Tristan is, it's hard to please everyone. And you can sit in this seat, and it sounds amazing, and you can sit in that seat, and it's too loud. And you can sit in that seat, and it's whatever, and that seat, and it's whatever, because this room just has its challenges. So, um, you know, I just wanted to give that a shout-out to him, because I know it can be, when I said our team doesn't love it, wouldn't it be nice if our speakers were always set up, and this was a sound acoustical room that didn't bounce everything all over the place.
0: Yeah, and, <laughs> the, and the fact that we don't have access to this building seven yeah. days a week, 24 hours a day. And yeah,
1: staff meetings, that cost us extra if we meet here. I mean, yeah. You know, yeah. Those kinds of things. So just know, just be aware.
0: Yeah, so it's getting to the point where financially it makes sense for us to start looking for another home because we're starting to pay a lot of money. So one of the things that we feel like we haven't pushed really hard, uh, but we feel like this God is on this right now. We are... uh, currently seeking and looking for places to meet. Right now the market is crazy. Like, financially it is almost untouchable. But we know that God can do something. And we know God can do something when we partner with Him. And how do we partner with Him? We prepare for Him to do something. Instead of just sitting and going, oh, we hope something's going to happen. We hope God financially we're going to be able to make this happen and all that. And I'll say this, we do have some savings for the church, but we want to build that savings and be prepared so that when God does find us a place, we can pull the trigger on it financially. So one of the things we haven't done really well over the last two years is is, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but ask for money. We we don't you don't hear us talking about it a lot. We don't we don't get up here and ask you to give all the time and. and and, and all those things, but we know that in this season, we feel like we need to start a building fund again where everything extra that comes in goes specifically into an account that's gonna be stored up and saved so that when the right building comes along, we're gonna be able to pull the trigger on it. So we wanna encourage you guys. You know, if you have, we're going to start a building fund again, and uh, it's there's a drop down on the giving area. You want to say Well, I was going
1: to say, let's clarify building fund, because we're not asking you to make pledges and passing out no, pledge no, no, cards no. or anything funky like that. Yeah. So here's our idea, you know, because sometimes you just need the intentionality behind something. Yeah. Right? We just need to highlight and let you know, hey, we're looking for a building. We have a realtor looking for a building. Like, we're being intentional. We have a chunk of money in savings. But we just know when the time is right, we don't want money to hinder us from making a move. Yeah. So we just felt like God was highlighting that to us. And then we even had one of our members say, hey, I would love to know if I just happen to have an extra hundred bucks come my way that I could intentionally set it for, towards the building. I was like, easy fix. So on our website, when you go to give, you know, you made an extra ten bucks and you just want to, you just feel like God's telling you, hey. So into this building, and I'll take care of your building, or sow into this home, and I'll take care of your home. When you have those callings, then there's a way that you can do that. And there's just a drop down. You know, when you give, you can open up our drop down window. It has give, it has tithes and offering as first, and then there's the worship project. If you need to give your school tuition, there's a drop down for that. Anyway, we've added one that just says building fund, and really that's just to allow us to see what money is designated just strictly for that. And it will always be set aside and just added to that savings account so that when the, when the time's ready, and I think y'all have all heard, I'm not even going to tell the story because we're out of time, but that Chris has a building anointing. <laughs> we've had this whole story. won't go into there. We don't have time for it. But um, in the past, we've never had to look for a building that found us. And that's just what we're believing. Even though we're looking, we're actively looking, we're telling that building to come find us. And we want to be ready when it does. So, sorry. That
0: yeah, amen. And so, you know, in, in doing so, um, you know, we're, we're just going to be ready to be able to pull the trigger. And I, I think it'll be, I think God will absolutely uh, open up the area that we need to be in, the right building we need to be, uh, be a part of or be in. And, uh, you know, because the, the reality is we really do, we don't want to go to two services, you know. It's a hard thing on your staff. We've done it. Uh, I mean, it just wears you out. And uh, I'm sure, you know, some of you guys are like, well, man, two services would be cool. I could come early in the morning or later in the." Afternoon. But it, there's, uh, there's just a lot of work involved with it. And, um, you, know, we, we, you know, if we had to do that, we would do that. But we're believing for the other. And we're believing that God's going to make a way. And he's going to give us another building. Amen. And so you guys just keep praying about that for us and praying for God to provide for that. And then financially help provide for that by giving into the building fund. And uh, it'll be really amazing. You know, the other thing about growing this family is we've all, we've all got to have a responsibility in what we do in God's house. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to say this to sound like I'm coming off like I'm rebuking anybody. But really for the last year and a half, we've all been just kind of cruising. Uh, because of COVID and because of all the shutdowns and the lockdowns and you know, fear. Be, you know, there's, there's so much about what we normally do as people in part of a body and a part of a family that has not been happening for the last year and a half. And so, I think we've all got to hit the reset button and say, why do we meet? Why do we come together? Because we know when we come together, we're more powerful. We, we, we are actually able to pull off each other's testimonies, and we actually become stronger and strengthened when we're together. Uh, corporately, it's, you know, we know that there are two types in the, in the New Testament. They met from home to home, but they also met corporately so they could come together and they could worship. And that's really kind of what, what it's more about. It's not just the speaking or the... Teaching, and we have some amazing speakers that come through here, and we want to be able to provide that for you. But what I enjoy the most, and I know probably what you enjoy the most when you come together, is seeing people, talking to people, hearing the testimonies, uh, singing together, being you know being together, and feel in feeling that momentum when we come together in worship, which is just absolutely amazing. So. The why is people. That's why we do what we do. When you come and you bring your gift and you bring your identity in Christ, you add value to this body. You add value to his body. When people come in here visiting, you add value when you make them feel seen, heard, and known. And how do you do that? By loving on them, encouraging them, giving them a prophetic word. Just doing what you do. And you do it so well. But we need to take it to the next level. And so we... We have areas where you can get involved. Uh, We've kind of been doing it on our own for the last year and a half. We've used a lot of our staff, but we need more help because we need to be focusing on certain things when people come in. And if you can help, we want you to do that. So everybody in a family has a part to play, and everybody does something in a family. And so we're asking you, if you have any spare time, if you have time, to get involved somewhere where we have needs that need to be met, we're asking you to pray about it and look into it and say, okay, I can do that. I can I can commit to that once a month or I can commit to that once every three months or whatever. What we want to do is right now, because we're running out of time, but we want to, because we guess got something special quick. to do. Yeah, we, we're, we're going to end with something really up. fun.
1: Yeah, we're going to end with something really fun. So yeah. y'all just hang out because here we want you to ask yourself, what gifts do you bring and how do I get involved? And um, of course, you can email us at serve at resurgentatl.com and we will get back to you but we want to highlight you know we honored our pastor our pastoral staff earlier we want to honor our volunteers who um, head up certain areas that you can get involved in so we're gonna ask you to stand up so Jada and Raul if y'all stand up if you would like to be involved in children or nursery we could really actually use some nursery workers right now or preschool then we ask you to see Jada and Raul or you can also email us here and it's really not difficult they're not asking you to do it every Sunday we're trying to do like an every month once a month or once every other month if we get a few more people we can get that schedule in a good rotation all right awesome all right Nicole and Josiah y'all stand up so if you would like to help set up or tear down it's not even that hard is it we've got a cool little checklist now making it simple it's either or. If you want to set up one morning or tear down one afternoon, see Nicole and Josiah. It really is kind of a fun time to get here and run around together and get everything set up. It feels good to make everything look pretty and get it all going. So see Josiah and Nicole. We so appreciate them. They've been doing this for from the beginning. Love you guys. We love them so much. All right, Steve and Barb. Are Steve and Barb here? Yeah, they're
0: right there. in the. Okay, Steve
1: and Barb. Woo! (laughs) Woo! All right, if you would like to be a greeter, then we want you to see Steve and Barb. We really need some new greeters. We've been having a lot of visitors, and we don't want them to feel lost when they come in the door. And we want them to be, to feel seen, heard, and known, right? So um, see Steve and Barb if you want to... um, be a greeter. And they'll kind of tell you what that entails, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You Thank you guys. Them? Thank you, Steve Barr. Yeah. And then, um, we've, um, Brad and Nan Willoughby are not here with us this morning. They're on their, uh, second anniversary honeymoon, not second anniversary, 25 years, 25 years, year anniversary. 25 big, years.
1: Difference big
0: difference between second and two twenty-five. 25. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Brad, Brad is going to be heading up a prayer team, so if you really have a passion for praying for people and you want to see people uh, be a partner, partner with the Holy Spirit and partner with heaven, to see people get set free and just pray over them uh, on Sunday morning services, uh, email here and email Brad because he'll be... Compiling a list of people who want to be on that prayer team, and then we'll have a little short meeting, and then we're going to be putting people on a, on a schedule to do that. So Brad Willoughby is that guy for you to connect with. Then uh, let's, uh, let's do another one. Scott Lappin. Scott, stand up real quick. Woo! Scott is uh, he 's kind of heading up media support and if if you 're interested in doing setup or tear down or wanting to get involved with slides live or live streaming or any that. of those kind of things. Uh, Scott is the guy to see. Scott has been doing this, uh, man, so faithfully. And, I mean, just absolutely is a joy to be around. You're going to love this guy. He is a dad, and he is just a really great dad. And uh, we we love hanging out with him, and he's just amazing. So uh, just email and say, hey, I want to get part of the media team. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate you so much. And then um, we're going to have Scott stand up. Scott Thompson, big Scott. Uh, big Scott. Scott. <laughs> Big Scott, not little Scott, Big Scott. That's the first. Uh, Scott is heading up uh, prophetic teams here at the church. And so if you want to get involved with the prophetic and you want to be a part of teams, because one of the things we're, we're going to be doing in the fall is uh, not only is Scott going to be doing teaching on prophetic and all those things, but they're going to be setting up prophetic teams, prophetic booths, and things like that. So we need volunteers, and we need people who want to be trained in that. And and, want to, and some of you are trained in it. Some of you just are just doing it really great already. But uh, see, Scott, did you? Yeah, go ahead.
1: Okay, and Heather, will you stand up? We also have a sozo ministry here. So if you're in this, Yay. So if you're interested in being a part of that team or want to know more about that, I encourage you to see Heather. And I think we about covered it. Yeah. Um, we forgot something. Email us at serve and t- look, give us an idea. We might yeah. put you in charge of it.
0: All right. All right. Well, hey, this, this was our little chat with you guys this morning to kind of give you an overall look at, you know, kind of where we came from, where we are now, where we want to go. And, uh, We really appreciate you guys allowing us to just sit here and just talk to you like family and and, and friends because we are. And
1: please eat lots of donuts on your way out.
0: Yeah, please.